Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A listener to last week's show sent us an email praising you, Jim, for your sensible, centrist views. And he implied, I think to his disapproval, that I'm the liberal. And there I was thinking I was the sensible one and you were the right wing nut. It's just all a matter of perspective, Richard. Speaking of reality and perspective or the lack of it, this week's show is on media bias, disinformation, and fake news. The Case for All Sides with John Gable and Samantha Shireman. We basically say, hey, readers, we believe you're capable of deciding for yourself that we don't have to oversimplify things one side or the other. And that's what it really comes down to. That's what a democratic republic needs to come down to. For the most part, media outlets are funded by advertisements, right? And advertisements require clicks. And what's going to get clicks is fear and anger. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Ever since we launched How Do We Fix It, we've been talking about filter bubbles, and it seems like they've gotten worse out there. It's so important to get out of that. Everybody says it, but how do you do it? It's more than that, Jim. Some information that people read is, is just fake or linked to wild conspiracies. And we're going to talk about that, and we're going to take a close look at allsides.com. This is a tool to help people see the world from different perspectives they don't normally get within their social bubbles and filter bubbles. This is what's cool about it. They take a news story, and they find a source on the left, on the right, and in the center, and they show you what all three of those sources said about the same story. We're joined in our remote studio today by All Sides founder and CEO John Gable, who we first spoke with four years ago on How Do We Fix It, as well as the site's director of product, Samantha Shireman. Welcome to How Do We Fix It. Hello. Good to be here. Thanks for having us. So give us the elevator pitch, John. Why should I go to your site for news? All Sides kind of speaks to its name. We show the latest news, breaking news, and any issue or topic from the left, center, and right. The whole point is that people can immediately see different perspectives of any news story and even connect with other people on that story if they want to. Unlike Jim, I lean left. So my natural sources of information are probably NPR, The New York Times, The Washington Post, uh, Jim's may be different from me. Um, what do I get? 
out of uh, going to all sides than I don't from, say, mainstream media. The, the more enlightened reason would be to, to get a broader understanding of the issues, right? It's, you're not going to have the best understanding of an issue if you're never challenged in your views. So getting, a, getting an understanding of how different people are viewing this and getting that balanced news is a way to strengthen your your knowledge. I'm sure there are people who come to all sides for the perhaps less inside, enlightened reason of know thy enemy, right? Like if you are considering yourself in a fight against these these other forces that want to do harm to the country, uh, then you might as well know where they're coming from and understand what they're talking about. And, and maybe that's not so bad. I mean, I, I think a no. big weakness of a lot of people is that they never hear the other side of their own of their viewpoints. And so they, they, they're not able to make the strongest argument or, or see the weaknesses in their position. Yeah. One example of that specifically that sticks in my mind in particular is the whole question about protests versus riots. And there was um, a study done where it had 93% of all of these demonstrations were peaceful. And then you had all the left media saying, look, it's all peaceful. It's all peaceful. It's all peaceful. Then you had people on the right saying 7% did have violence, and that added up to three, over 220-something instances of violence, and isn't that a problem? And, of course, they only emphasized that. When you saw it on our side, you saw both perspectives. Now, I'm fascinated about how you decide to uh, make your ratings on bias. And one example, which which came recently is you had a vigorous discussion at All Signs, didn't you, John, about whether to call Joe Biden president-elect? Yeah, that was a particularly interesting one and one of the toughest ones we've had because there is a technical definition of president-elect when the elector's votes have been counted. And then there's the kind of what media has been doing for many, many, many years where we just say, hey, once it's a projected winner, um, we call on the president-elect. The question for us was, are we making, are we all sides making a determination as to the result of lawsuits, which I, which in my opinion, they will not add, they, they, I don't see how they could possibly add up to any change. But is it our role to decide that with court cases pending? And also, um, when we think about the technical definition, is the historical approach of just accepting mainstream media or big media that can actually do exit polls, their result as the literal answer. And then there was a third piece that we realized. He said, if we chose projected winner, we actually do a little bit of um, education about our system. And so it was a tough decision of ours, but we decided that the decision that called for the least assumptions in our part, that also had the benefit of a little bit of democracy knowledge or republic understanding um, amongst our users, using projected winner was the best there. But it was, it was not unanimous, and it was a tough call, frankly. So you call, you call Joe Biden the projected winner rather than president-elect? We do, but we also, most of our content is other websites. So when other websites say president-elect, we don't discount that or try to hide that or anything like that. Just in our own personal summaries, um, when we write it, we decided to use the term projected winner for now. I'm really intrigued by, and I love this concept of, of looking at stories, finding a good outlet from the left, the right, and the center. And I can say the, the, the choices you make on the right 
are, you know, they tend to be the more reliable, responsible uh, outlets. You're not going to really wacky um, fringe um, sites for the most part. But but how do you find people in the center? <laughs> it's getting <laughs> harder know? and harder. <laughs> it is getting harder and harder. Our audience, actually, we did a survey with our audience, and it came out 29% from the left, 29% from the right, and 42% from the center is the way the audience saw themselves. So we have a nice balance, and our audience certainly fits here. So finding people in the center is not hard. Finding news organizations we consider a center is more challenging. What we found is that because we do blind bias surveys, so we actually show people the news without them knowing the source. And every time we do the Wall Street Journal news section, that comes right down the middle every time. They, they seem to be the most reliable center news reporting. Their, their opinion is right, but they're, they're, I, I'm frankly really impressed with them and others as well who do a good job. So far, we've been talking about media bias. But how do you deal with outright misinformation and conspiracy theories, which seem to be gaining broader currency, especially on social media? First of all, um, our generally doesn't come up for us that much because we tend to cover national news that's getting national attention either from left, center or right. So we, we tend to reflect the bigger news items. However, when a conspiracy theory gets big enough that it becomes a mainstream, we don't shy away from it. We cover it as well as cover the opposite side that's saying this is why it's a conspiracy theory and how it's wrong. The best way to energize a conspiracy theory is to never talk about it. We reveal the arguments that it's conspiracy or, or back and forth so people can decide for themselves. That's actually our ultimate focus is to empower our readers to really decide for themselves and understand the broad picture. That That's something I think is just so important. I've actually spent a big chunk of my career debunking conspiracy theories, especially the 9-11 conspiracy theories at a time when no one in the mainstream press was even acknowledging that they existed, even though they were spreading uh, kind of underground uh, very, very powerfully. And Jim, did... just, just to, Jim, just to go back on that, the 9-11 conspiracy theory, because you did a tremendous amount of work on this, what were the conspiracy theorists saying about what happened on 9-11? When you dug down through all the layers, they were saying what all conspiracy theories theorists tend to say, the Jews did it. <laughs> I mean, that's that. That's really where it often wound up. And interestingly, this stuff was mostly coming from the left back then. Today, we think a lot about conspiracy theories on the right. Basically, that Bush and some cabal, you know, involving Mossad and the CIA and my publishing company, you know, were all. I mean, because once you publish about it, you're part of the conspiracy. But what I was encouraged by was there was still a group there. Of course, there were the hardcore nuts out there, but there was a group of people who were just naturally curious, naturally skeptical. And they were kind of relieved to see somebody digging in and answering their questions. I think that's a huge, important thing that we cannot overlook, <laughs> that the information is out there. And if we don't address it, it gets pulled away. And if we only address it by saying, oh, they're 100 percent wrong. That's a problem as well. So there's a lot of that going on with um, conspiracy theories or allegations of voter fraud right now. And so we frequently see in the news saying there's no evidence of any voter fraud at all. And there's actually a lot of evidence of small examples of voter fraud. And when you take the extreme counter side, you lose credibility. 
And I actually see voting as a sacred thing. Um, so whether people are being prevented from voting or being canceled out by even one illegal vote, that actually bothers me to an irrational state, to be quite honest about it. Um, but we can describe how they don't add up to enough to change the election. We can describe which parts of the lawsuit are valid and which ones there's just kind of ridiculous. But if we go through that, we basically say, hey, readers, we believe you're capable of deciding for yourself that we don't have to oversimplify things one side or the other. And that's what it really comes down to. That's what a democratic republic needs to come down to rather than people just telling everybody else how to think and to trust us. Samantha, John's been talking a lot. Samantha, <laughs> your thoughts on this? <laughs> uh, oh, man, it's a tricky balance because once misinformation has gotten to a person, it's impossible to remove that from their brain. If someone receives misinformation, especially from a trusted source, which is what's happening constantly on social media right now, right? They're getting misinformation from their friends and family, from people within their own sphere. Uh, and they read that and their their defenses are down when it's coming from somebody that they trust. And so they are very quickly going to believe it. What John said is absolutely correct. Of One of the best ways you can fuel a conspiracy theory is to attempt to censor it because then you are, you are kind of playing into their hand of, see, they don't want us talking about that. They are suppressing the truth. You're listening to How Do We Fix It with Samantha Shireman and John Gable of the site allsides.com. I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now back to our interview. For a lot of people, bias is just automatically a bad thing. You know, it means you're you're distorting information somehow. But you say everyone has bias. Yes, and we all are biased by what we know, by what we don't know, and our entire life experience. And I don't think bias is necessarily bad. The other extreme is is that we have no opinions, no no history, um, no judgment. The key is to let people know where the information is coming from and give them that broader perspective. And we use bias as a way to do that, not as a way to point fingers at each other going, yeah, 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 but as a shortcut for revealing different points of view and different ways of looking at the same thing. When Jim and I were talking about doing this podcast, um, 
Jim made a fascinating point that I really hadn't thought about, and that is, is there such a thing as good bias? In other words, sites that are clear that they're coming from, say, a liberal perspective or a conservative perspective and are upfront with with their readers. I don't know if I would consider it good bias versus bad bias, but I think bias is a fact of life. And the best thing you can possibly do about it is to be transparent about it. And so I absolutely respect organizations that are transparent about their bias. To say hidden bias is a problem. Yes. Or if if somebody, not only that they hide it intentionally or other people are not aware of the bias, that leads to misunderstanding and and that's the problem. And that's what we that's why we are very transparent and reveal it the best we can. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time it's when when it's hidden bias, it's not malicious at all. It's they don't understand their own bias. It's not exactly. a thing that we tend to discuss. And sometimes it's just what stories they think are interesting enough to cover, not necessarily how they cover them. Yeah. yeah. And story choice is a that <laughs> a lot of the times when we have a when we have a media outlet that we are doing an editorial review or something is sort of cuspy and we're trying to figure out really where they land. One of the trickiest ones to deal with is story choice, because you can have articles that are written in a completely center sort of way. And yet, if you look at all of those stories, it's like, hmm, these are all to do with topics that really resonate with the right or the left. Yeah, I think that's something that's been raised by um, Black Lives Matter movement. I think media organizations have not considered the views of marginalized people, say people of color or LGBTQ or Mm -hmm. indigenous folks. From the other perspective, I think that liberal sites simply do not understand business. They don't understand the profit motive and what businesses contribute to communities and to the country. Or religious groups as well. Um, I'd say that a lot of um, left-leaning media skips that. We have been talking and working a great deal inside of all sides to deal with what we call news orbits. And when any group has one big thing that's really big that's not being covered, we're actually seeking to bring that to the forefront. What's changed in the years since All Sides launched? So I guess I had to answer that because um, I've been here longer than Sam has. Yeah, you can answer it for All Sides. I don't know how broad <laughs> that question was. A lot of things have changed. <laughs> so much has changed. So where I'm going with this is what's changed in the world? Because All Sides isn't just a an organization that helps you get to a diversity of news sources. It also monitors all these news sources and how users interact with news. What's happened to the media? What's happened to the audience in the years since All Sides launched? In two ways, particularly. First of all, uh, we talk about effective polarization rather than just general polarization. So effective polarization is I am against it because you, I'm against you and anything you stand for, I'm therefore against. That has definitely grown. And we think that's the problem with polarization. Having people disagree is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. It becomes, I dislike you because you believe this, as opposed to we believe different things and let's have a debate about our our, uh, our differences of opinion. Even if those differences of opinion are strong, uh, you can still have a very healthy democracy with political polarization. When it becomes affective polarization, that leads to anger, that fear and that anger leads to dehumanization. Um, and dehumanization is essentially 
what humans need to do to trick their brain into allowing them to do harm to another person. We're talking about news, right? We're talking about providing balanced information about the news, but these are like these are real issues that if left unchecked can take us down a really dangerous path. You certainly see that on Twitter every day. You, you really know. do. And man, I wish people would get off Twitter because it is actively harmful to human empathy. So what about the news? What, what about how, I mean, I feel like I've seen a change in the New York Times just in the last two or three years. Uh, how are they doing? We do measure that. We do watch that. And that has changed. Um, in fact, we were calling CNN as an example, because we were just looking at the web page, not the, the site and not the TV program. We were calling them for a while and to and getting criticized for calling their news center for a while. But they definitely shifted. They definitely shift and are clearly lean left, even on their website, when it's just the stories that you see that you read. New York Times um, has moved to the left as well. We've seen lots of changes in the feedback we get from people on our site. So they tend to be going to the tribes. They tend to be becoming more extreme. They tend to be resulting to their own, um, reacting to their own filter bubbles, where they only see one side or the other, and to the polarization, effect of polarization Samantha is talking about, I think leads to more extreme journalism in general. In the case of the New York Times, being anti-Trump has been great for their business model. They've hugely increased their circulation, and Fox News, being pro-Trump, has been good for their business model. So much of the past four years has been about Trump. Is there a possibility that in the next four years, maybe there'll be a slight return to the center by some media outlets? Or am I just being Mr. Optimistic again? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I do want to speak to the business model a bit. Um, so for the most part, media outlets are funded by advertisements, right? And advertisements require clicks. And what's going to get clicks is fear and anger. Uh, and so it is ingrained in the current business model that you are going to make the most money if you can polarize people, because that is what is going to make them afraid and angry. Speaking of fear and anger, the debate over cancel culture fires up both conservatives and liberals. Where do you come down, Samantha? I think this is really a case where both sides have a have a really good point. On the right, you have a lot of people upset about censorship and you have a lot of people upset about the what seems like a shrinking of the circle of information that is acceptable speech. Uh, and on the left, uh, and I think and I think to a certain extent that is that is a fair point. Um, people do have to be more careful about how they say things now uh, than they once did. I don't think that's entirely a bad thing. I think historically the loudest voices have been predominantly white, straight and male. And now this is one of the benefits of, of Twitter and one of the benefits of social media and the internet in general is more people are able to find a platform and we are hearing more voices. And so the voices that historically have been silenced by larger media, people of color, people within the queer community, women, those voices are able to be louder. And for the first time, people are able to say, hey, what you're saying is actually not okay. What you're saying is actually harmful. 
And if you are in a position where, his, where you have been able to comfortably say whatever you want and not think that it's hurting other people, and suddenly people are saying, actually, what you're saying is not okay, well, that can feel like suppression. It's not. It is uh, a lifting of the other voices. I do think that can go, be taken too far. So I think it's an important journey that we're taking right now where people are speaking out against voices that have harmed them and opinions that have been harmful. What I don't think is acceptable is someone saying one vaguely insensitive thing on Twitter and having their careers ruined. Uh, I think the, the response to that should be communication, not let's destroy your life because I found this one offensive thing that you did 10 years ago. So a question we ask almost everyone, John, we've just gone through this wrenching election. Are you optimistic or, or do you see a, a, a corner that we could be turning up ahead? Are we rounding the curve? Anybody who's had a friend or loved one that's dealt with addiction, they would recognize that those terrible moments of bottoming out are actually good news. Because you have to be aware of the problem and get in a pretty bad place before it can get better. When Allsites was new, I had to spend all sorts of time explaining to people the dangers and problems of polarization and effective polarization, how it's destroying our country and how readers wanted something else and how terrible this was. And I had to spend all my, like most of my talking with them about their reality. Now, when I talk to potential investors or people, I don't have to spend any time on that at all. So the good thing that's coming out of this is that people are recognizing that there is a problem in society, that people are divided in different tribes. There is a problem with the news flow online. I'm not just talking about mainstream news media, but Twitter and even Google, which tends to promote the most popular point of view and ignores all the rest. Um, so we become confidently ignorant by seeing one point of view 800 times and not seeing any other points of view. There is a fundamental problem um, in the information flow online, um, in society in general, and in our relationships with each other. And now that we know the problem, we can do something about it. And the great thing about it is people recognize that people are fed up. We see people changing the way they get their information. So Pew Research did um, a survey uh, a while ago that asked people what kind of news do they want. And two years before they did that survey, 63% of, of the people said they prefer news that didn't have a slant one way or the other. Their more recent survey jumped to 78% of the people wanting news that didn't have a certain slant. That's a dramatic shift in a very short period of time. And that's just one of many things. Our, our growth um, over the last nine months, we grew 10 times faster than the rest of the news industry. Um, and we're certainly proud of our success, but I think our success has had more to do with the fact that people are shifting to what they're looking for. They're shifting to look for different kinds of news because they know that what they currently are getting isn't doing the job. Okay. Thank you very much, both of you. Thank you great. so much for having us. This was yeah, fun. this was really fun. This is How Do We Fix It with John Gable and Samantha Shireman of AllSides.com. What a great conversation with two people who are sort of in our tribe, Richard, the people who are trying to promote better discussions, better understanding across the political spectrum. It's that time of the show where we do our recommendations. What have you got for us? A paragon 
by Irish writer Colin McCann. I thought this was a good choice for this week because we've been talking about the way different sides uh, in controversial issues are covered. And this book, which is a novel, tells the story of two fathers, one Palestinian, one Israeli, who've both lost their young daughters uh, to the conflict between uh, Palestine and Israel. Both men, Rami and Bassam, attempt to use their grief as a weapon for peace. I love this book. Parts of it are like poetry, and yet Bassam and Rami are both real men. And uh, in other words, this is a book that's a merger between fiction and nonfiction. Uh, highly recommended, A Paragon by Colin McCann. It sounds like a paragon, but it's actually spelled A-P-E-I-R-O-G-O-N. I never would have known how to pronounce that if just by reading it. Well, maybe I mispronounced it, but I think that's what it is. And now it's on to our conversation. But before we get there... A happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. We won't be releasing a show over the holidays, but will return on December 4th. Jim, you have some thoughts about our interview with John and Samantha and an example of how AllSides.com works. As we record this, one of the big issues is uh, Trump's been repeating some stuff that can't bubble out of some far-right conspiracy theory about this company, Dominion Voting Systems, and supposedly their systems have automatically switching votes away from Trump and, and towards Biden. And, you know, everybody's first reaction says, wow, that's a crazy conspiracy theory, because it is. I mean, there's no evidence of this. So what does the right say about this? So all sides found an article from Washington Examiner, which is a small conservative paper. They come up with the case that in 2019, a bunch of politicians on the left, including Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, were accusing the same voting company, Dominion, of having technology that might swap votes. It doesn't make the conservatives right to realize we don't want to fly off the handle with every accusation. And if there's any truth at all to the idea these computer systems might be defective or might be hackable, let's look into it. I'm actually writing an article about that right now. It doesn't mean it's happened, but if it could happen, it's definitely worth looking into and finding a way to defend against. Yeah, I agree with everything you've said, Jim, and I was surprised by the Dominion story as well. I didn't realize until I'd read All Sides that uh, this was a problem more for the left than for the right uh, until the 2020 election came along. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And our producer is Miranda Schaefer. We're a production of Davies Content. We make podcasts for companies and nonprofits. Our website at Davies Content is Davies Content. Dot com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.